Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast, where in each episode we tackle different aspects of popular culture, including gaming, comics, movies, and more. We talk about what works, what doesn't, and our vision of a more inclusive space for everyone. In this episode, we go right for the feels as we talk about stories that make us cry. What's the appeal, and why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Curious? Well, then on with the podcast. We are here today, this is Fuebe, and we are here to talk about weeping, crying, anything in the world that involves water falling out of your face. So why do we interact with stories that make us cry? Whether we're cleansing, whether we're connecting, or just crazy making, it's likely possible, uh, impossible, to consume movies or books or other media without at least once in a while feeling that telltale pressure in our throats and that heat behind our eyes. Some of us keep coming back for more while others back away. And what is that about? So I am here with Erin, Valerie, Elise. And we're going to dig into what this means and how we feel about it. Who wants to start us off? Who was the last person who cried at a thing? Oh, that's a great oh. question. <laughs> well, I cried at a thing this week. <laughs> yeah, that might that might be you. Because the last thing I the last thing I cried at was um, was Endgame. Same here. And that was like now a couple weeks ago. Oh. So you you might have the most recent cry. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, children's fiction particularly is what gets me. And I was reading this really beautiful book uh, called Bronze and Sunflower about uh, young Chinese children during the revolution or post-revolution and i knew you know the cover has two sweet children sitting on a buffalo mm. and they're going off into the sunset and you're like somebody's gonna die <laughs> oh yeah oh the yeah buffalo is definitely on the list uh and definitely maybe one of these children it's hard to tell um i'm not gonna spoil the book but I made it to the end and i thought okay i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm doing good and then of course something happened and i'm like Meh. Because I'm by myself reading. There's no reason mm. to hold it in. But I still have, you know, I have the resistance, no matter what, to to not cry, to not be moved by this thing because I'm stronger than the thing. And what is that? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of the same way. So uh, I also tend to react to children's and uh, young adult fiction um, and then recommend the books to others and spread my misery around <laughs> to the point where Sarah called me the secretary of crying books. I think the resistance comes from, well, one, you know, crying in culturally is not generally considered acceptable. It is considered weak. It's considered feminine, equal sign weak. <laughs> um, but also I think just sometimes uh, you're resisting the manipulation. And I don't think it's always manipulative, but I do think you feel like, okay, this author set me up to get me <laughs> to cry, and you just want to avoid it. A big one for me was uh, When a Monster Calls by Patrick mm. Ness. The, the part that got me was, um, and this is not a spoiler, I think, because the whole point is it's about a young man whose mother is dying of cancer. Mm. And so you know that she's literally dying of cancer. And yet, when she dies in the book, I mm. was a wreck and I was waiting for my sister at the tea and she walked up and I was just like sobbing. And of course, now my sister... Uh, really loves crying books and so of course this was a huge recommendation for her 
but you know for me and it was like why am I crying at this death and then I realized that it wasn't the death it was and this part I won't spoil but her conversation with her son before Mm. she goes and him and why he has been feeling the way he's been feeling that was what was so moving to me I love that the fact that your sister enjoys books that make her cry. When she was a kid, her big book was the uh, her big thing was the Lurleen McDaniel's books. I say, wasn't there a whole series of like sort of like teen cancer books? That's basically. exactly. Oh my right. gosh! And they're yes, all, they're I all that. like the cheap paperbacks yeah. about kids, teens with cancer who fall in love. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, and a lot of times die. it was leukemia. Oh. And it wasn't yeah. always cancer, but they were they got ill and one of them died. Um, you know, the fault in our stars is just like a really fancy mm-hmm. version yeah. of Marlene McDaniels, <laughs> if you think about it. It's a great book, but I'm just saying it's like it's the highfalutin mm-hmm. Lurleen. And that is like my nightmare, actually. Like if I there are things where people are like, Oh, you should watch This Is Us, it's so good. I'm like, Nope, that's a crying show. No. <laughs> like like I, you know, there are definitely things that make me cry, but and I can if I can tell what it is in advance, like, I try to avoid it. I mean, yeah. for me, it depends on why you're crying, right? Because there's there's different levels of crying. So we'll start with that, right? There's different levels of crying. There's the kind of crying that sort of, like, lets out, like... So crying does release endorphins. It is a way of us coping with emotion. So there's the kind of crying that's, like, happy crying... And there's the kind of crying that's like a little bit of a release, but then there's like ugly, gross, sobbing mm. crying. And that's the kind of crying that I try to avoid as much as possible because then you have a headache. And that leaves you feeling crummy and instead of Yeah, and like cathartic. you're puffy. Yeah. But like there are certain things that I know are going to make me cry. Like every time Shawshank Redemption is on TV, I am going to watch it and I'm going to cry at the end. <laughs> and that's just because... First of all, it's a great movie, but second of all, like it does, like that's the kind of movie that like it does feel good because it is, it's a, it's a happier ending, right? When the two of them are, oh gosh, I forgot their names. I feel and like and I feel like we've passed spoiler warnings on Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. absolutely. Yeah. Like I mean, but Red and Andy, Red Mallory. and Andy, <laughs> yes. When they meet together at the end, and you're like, okay, maybe maybe now it's gonna be okay, and like the whole thing about like hope is you know, what pulls you through the darkest moments of your life. Like, that is, like, kind of, for me, like, that's a good crying as opposed to, like, that sad kind of, like, you're reading something that's really tragic or maybe Mm. watching something that's purposely manipulative to Mm -hmm. make you cry. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. I've had the experience of just being surprised. Like, I had this, um, I don't know what I was doing. I was having a summer of watching um, foreign films, foreign out of the U.S., that is. And I just kept hitting these films that were like, whoa, what is, I didn't know going in. Um, and I don't, I don't think that Basquiat is foreign, but that was one of the films that was in the sequence of films mm-hmm. that I was watching. Um, one of them was called The Sent Down Girl. Don't watch that. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's also about uh, China and the revolution, and it does not go well. Um, but Basquiat in particular like, surprised me because it was a film about an artist. And I knew that he died young, and I know a little bit about him, but there was some, there was a sensitivity that the actor was really like bringing forward, and like he was really hitting these notes on like what it means to belong, what it means when you don't belong, what it looks like, and this sort of the physical way that you manifest that. Hmm. Uh, and I just it, I was completely like beside myself weeping over this movie, and I I've <laughs> never watched it again. I felt scarred for life, oh. and like and after. <laughs> 
watching that and having that experience, I was like, okay, I need people to like pre-watch the movies like a mama bird <laughs> and gird, you know, like regurgitate them to me because it's just, whoa. I feel like I need to be prepared. Why aren't there like trigger warnings for like that level of emotiveness? And I think we've, we've sort of talked about how you can, there can be a formula to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pixar has become just the master manipulator of emotions, um, at least for me. And I know, Fuebe, you kind of, mm-hmm. you feel similarly. For me, it was actually after Up that I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't do this right now. This is, this is actually, this has reached into the bad, like the bad crying. Like I didn't feel catharsis afterwards I just felt like why did you do this to me I paid my money I went to go like I just came here to have a good time and I'm feeling so attacked right now like, <laughs> that, I was like oh I get that meme now because that was how I felt and afterwards I was like I'm not really that into to Pixar movies anymore see it's interesting I can't Things that are directly manipulative might make me cry, but not an ugly cry. And I think an ugly cry can be cathartic. I know that it it can be also painful, but I think that's part of the point, right? I have to be taken by surprise. If I see it coming, then I might, you know, have some tears, but it's not the same. And I will often get just really annoyed because you are trying too hard to (laughs) manipulate me and make me feel a type of way. I don't like... When I hear that music, the like yeah. string soft music, and they're just buttering you up for it, it doesn't usually work for me. And what that was, yeah, and and that was part of it. Was like I knew I was being manipulated. I couldn't help it. That made me even more annoyed. That made more tears. That, and I think that's what kept mm. it from being cathartic. Right. Was that I was like, and playing right into your hands. Mm. Yeah. You jerks. <laughs> well, and, and Pixar did for a while right have this very specific formula that they were using to make you cry to the point where i was like maybe i'm not gonna go see a pixar movie like around the time of the good dinosaur like you don't even need to see the movie you already know the plot yeah you know what i mean like if you've seen like finding nemo if you've seen up if you've seen wally like you can pretty much figure out what's gonna go down pretty fast Except, though, and, and this is my exception, is that when we talk about the last time I cried in a Pixar movie, I did cry at Coco. I cried hard at the end, <laughs> at the end of Coco. But unlike the other sort of manipulative, like, bad crying at Coco, it was this really beautiful, happy, like, I love my family, too, kind of crying. Well, <laughs> Coco takes the trope that they work with and inverts it, right? Because yes. mostly the Pixar trope has been about breaking up families. And sometimes mm. they get back together at the end, but right. for the most part... Or create families from what remains. From what is left. Right, exactly. Right. But Coco was about kind of just adding back, right? <laughs> You're just reinvigorating the family through death. So reinvigoration was a weird word to use, but... (laughs) Reanimation, perhaps? (laughs) Um, So it doesn't surprise me that that worked for you again. And and in an an enjoyable way, as opposed to... And it has a basis, right? It's coming out of a culture... I can't say a lot about it, but I do know about there is this reverence for death and there's this reverence for family, and it's just a different approach. So I feel like that that was coming through the movie regardless right. it's of a different the... It's a different relationship with yeah. death, right, and the afterlife that I think is 
Right. That then you know most American eyes cultures really have. But also a different relationship with what a family is. Mm-hmm. That's right? true, too. Because there was like a real insularity and then kind of learning to forgive people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like all of the other Pixar movies are, are more about, again, like we're together. Found and then, family and, yeah. But then something will drag us apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have to find our way back to each other again. It just gets a little, I mean, it gets a little boring after a while. Yeah, no, it, it does. Which is interesting for me, too, because in that case, I'm like, no, I don't want to get involved. Um, but one of the, the book that I was bringing to this was, is uh, Dog's Body by Diana Wynne-Jones. And I know, I know the exact section that makes me cry hmm. in that book. And it's, it's always, it's, it is a, it's moving from one space to another, essentially. It's like moving from life to death. It's moving from friendship to like not unknowing. There's, hmm. there's this transition point in it. And I'm always like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I've been reading this book since I was around 12, and I'm not 12 anymore by long stretch. And I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. And then every single time, soon as, even though I know it's coming, as soon as I hit that point, I'm like, oh, no, here it is. And I looked at it today. I like, picked the book up, and I was looking at it, and I was like, afraid to go there just in case. You know, just in case I didn't have enough up to protect myself. And then like reading nearer to where I know the section is and getting closer and closer to it. <laughs> zoning in like oh, can I do it you know and I, I made it out okay today but I know if I was just reading the book no matter how many times I've read it I come back to that section it's all it always has that that uh it's always relevant regardless so far of how old I get really I'm curious to do hmm. that with some of the books that yeah yeah like yeah, that's okay, actually would... really moving in that that must be a really well written mm. the sort of resonance that it has mm-hmm. for you is really special. It's a very well written book, yeah. Just solid. Tan Wynne Jones is pretty great. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Because I think about, so one of the books that I always reference is Jellicoe Road by Melina Marchetta. And if you haven't read it, I do recommend it because it's great. But it's the same thing I know, the mm-hmm. part. And it would be interesting to see if knowing what's going to happen, because again, it did. It caught me by surprise mm-hmm. that first yeah. time. Uh, it, again, trying not to spoil, but it just has this scene where a young man is talking to a young woman, and they're they're by train tracks. Your favorite thing, mm. boy, <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about an experience he had at the train tracks, and she's not getting it, and he's being very subtle about telling her what happened to him, and you, as the reader and a grown up, figure it out so much faster, and it just I lost it. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if I would again because mm. uh, because there was the surprise. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that's the confession he was going to make. Mm-hmm. You, you really don't know that about this character up until that point. And mm. then it just all come, all the pieces come together like a detective story. Mm. And you're like, oh, <laughs> the shoe drops. And you're very sad. But I don't know if it would, it would do the same thing a second time. Now I have to read it again. Don't let us know. Yeah, because I'm not reading it again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, say, I don't. I don't know if I'm gonna read that one again either. Yeah, it does end happily. It does, and it's a gr- it's it's a fantastic book. But but I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have more? Um, I'm curious. More patience or uh, more space for certain media versus others? Like less patience for crying at movies, more patience for crying at books, music. That's a good question. That's a great question. Because actually, like, I think all those things have made me cry at mm-hmm. some point. I think 
movies and TV to me feel more likely to make me cry. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, we talked to, I, I'm a big podcast consumer mm-hmm. also. And there are a few podcasts that I had to just stop listening to because it was like, oh, this will be a delightful thing to listen to on my two mile walk to work. And then I turn on the Moth podcast, and it's two miles of crying down Mass Ave, and I get to work, and I am exhausted and puffy, and I, I just had to, you know. I think there's also the, the time and place was wrong, too, mm-hmm. but it, not just in terms of walking down the street and crying is a little embarrassing, but that is the time of my day that is supposed mm-hmm. to be, like, my sort of internal shelter time. And I was already expending so much emotion before I even got to work. And so I think there's, that there's also a, when is the right time to have that mm. that cry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have a much higher tolerance for it in books, I think because it is harder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So usually it's earned in mm. a way that movies and um, television shows can kind of cheat with music. I say they hit you with all those sensory yeah. things. And yeah, like we've dimmed the lights or we got real close. Yeah, and yeah. They're setting you up and it just, yeah, it just grates. And plus, movies are often something you're doing in public. And mm-hmm. again, crying in public, maybe not everybody's favorite thing to do. Whereas a book can be really personal. Mm-hmm. And again, they had to they had to convince you with nothing but words on a page mm-hmm. that this was something upsetting, right? Mm. And I just feel like the the, the book I, I I cry more easily perhaps at a movie or a TV mm. show, but it annoys me more. Songs <laughs> never make me cry. Mm. I cry for me. It's not so much about the media, but how realistic the story is. Mm. So like, if it is something that is based in like a historical event that happened. So, like, you're telling a story, but that story could very well be very real. For somebody, that's my trigger. Mm. Like, So what about books like The Book Thief? Because that's magical realism and yet also... Right, so that destroyed me. <laughs> that book really, that book really got me because, yeah. Because, yeah, because it does, it did take, right? So, like, the time period in which that book takes place is so very important to the story. Right. Right. So like and also too, my uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier is that the other big trigger for me is when we're talking about like children and animals, because it's that additional level of innocence to like, you know, potentially bad things or tragic things Mm. that could happen. Those are the ones for me. Like, you know, we joke about like with my friend base, we make jokes where we're like, it's sad. But is it Japanese dog movie sad? Like, that's a... <laughs> so I was curious because the book Thief, I mean, is literally narrated by death. Right, mm. right. And so one, you know what you're getting into. Um, right. And two, it's less realistic, but it is also set in a history. But it does take place in a historical... Yeah, exactly. Period. So, yeah, that one that one just gets you on so many levels. Plus the writing is so beautiful. But, yeah, like when I think about the things that get me the most, there is some sort of like real Hmm. connection to it to like real worth so like if it was like um i don't know like a sci like sci-fi rarely makes me cry but you cried at endgame yeah but i didn't cry because of the sci-fi elements okay that's fair (laughs) i cried that was was totally character based and also total wish fulfillment (laughs) those were happy tears because i wanted that so bad for so long (laughs) 
sci-fi elements are never what would make you cry in a sci-fi. Well, like, you know, like, if there's, like, a sci-fi, like, war scene or something, or, like, fighting, like, that's not going to get me. No, like, Starship like... Troopers wouldn't get me. But, but a, like... But a small <laughs> moment between two mm-hmm. aliens might. Yeah, sure. If it's an emotional, like, can, if it's something that has, like, a real-world connection to me, then, yeah, that's more likely to make me cry. If you can see yourself in it. They're, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's a good one. Or like I said, or if it is a historic it is a historical event. So it's like I know that up on planet so and so people aren't getting slaughtered by bugs. But I do know <laughs> that like World War Two happened. Well you don't and all know of those things. That they're not getting slaughtered by <laughs> oh, bugs. Oh you know what? So and so. I'm gonna I'm gonna let that yeah, I'm gonna let you have that one. That's that's fair. You don't know. That's fair, we don't know. <laughs> We don't know. There's also, not to mention, we were talking about all the different universes. There could be a universe right now where we are bugs. So oh, I'm gonna... yeah. Gross. No. Step, step away from that. Yeah, no. Move into uh, another... Like two people have a higher tolerance of bugs. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, I, I was, I'm asking a question in part because I, I had never thought about it before, but I think I have a, I, I'm more likely to be okay with crying in books mm-hmm. and things like that than I am with television. And some of it for me, I realize, as I've been thinking about this, is like family of origin based. Like we did not watch sappy things mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah. And there was a lot of um, just general resistance to being manipulated to um, going into like overly emotive storylines in any way, shape, or form. It was all like, no, you know? <laughs> so I've retained that, and I'm still sort of not, I don't love it, you know? And I try to try to prevent it. But with books, and music also has gotten me by surprise many times. It's like a song, a cover of, um, I don't know, like Cindy Lauper covered like some song at last, I think, and which made me cry. And I was like, why am I crying at this song? Like I've heard this song, not by Cindy Lauper, but many, 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 yeah, many yeah. years. But this she she sort of hits it on a certain tone for me. And I'm like, oh yeah. And I realized for me, like a lot of it goes back to like Irish ballads, which I don't know why I had so much access to this as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little strange, but I I remember my mom telling me like this was one like Irish high keening song that I would always cry as a kid. I don't know what the song is, but whatever that that sequence of like bagpipes (laughs) and like sad mournful fiddle or whatever the heck is happening in that, it's still to this day. If I hear that, I'm like, oh, oh, that song. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know? Well, aren't there a lot of, like, really sad Irish bagpipes? Oh, there's yeah, something very mournful sad. about yeah. bagpipes, too. They're, well, they're, there's an association. Like, they're, they're, they're be, very funereal. Right. They play, the, they, I was going to say, yeah. they play yeah. them at funerals and oddly my graduation. So that <laughs> yes, so actually, yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a good kickoff. I get it's the end of one life and the beginning of your next, I suppose. I don't know. My most of my ballad experience is in the murder ballad category, mm. which do not make me cry. Yeah, like, Johnny something? Cash kind of thing. Uh, more think Nick Cave. Oh, okay. Or tra- I mean, a lot of traditional ballads are about um, some young, pretty young girl yeah. being slaughtered. Oh, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Taken advantage like, of and left to die or slaughtered by yeah. the riverbank. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. often by the riverbank. Right, usually in a wedding dress, thinking that she's going to get married, only right. to be left. Wow, I missed this entire genre. Wow. <laughs> oh man, we. We can set you up. We can get a song list we can provide, yeah. 
like playlists about like songs to weep to and like songs to bring up to and things like that so there's definitely a desire for this kind of yeah like getting yourself into that space i i can't actually name a ton of songs that make me cry neither can i because i'm not but i'm not the sort of person who likes to like lie on the couch and feel sad (laughs) and weep another sibling i won't name in my home in my i have three sisters one of them was very into that in her teen years, not now, <laughs> but, you know, she was very into, like, just sitting in a dark room, listening to songs to make her cry. And I want my songs to be about sad things, but sung either really peppy or really angry. Hmm. I'm a big fan of The Eels for that reason. Cancer mm. for the Cure is a song that should make you sad, but it is so mad <laughs> <laughs> that you can't be sad. I'm sure. I'm sure there's musicals that made me cry, but that's in a different kind of context. Storytelling in there. Yeah. Yeah, because there's still the storytelling and the characters in there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I they only also, cried at Rent a fair amount, but I also saw it like six times. Yeah, I think taking though the they're they are making they're using the music to get right exactly. There. I think yeah no the first time I saw Rent I think I cried I can't remember I was pretty young mm. and I was with my uncle and I was trying to play it cool. <laughs> <laughs> He hated it. That was like... <laughs> well, he was a nice uncle to take you. Yes, he was very nice to take me. But I'm sure that there are other... If I sat here and I tried to think of I'm sure that there are plenty of... I mean, I've gotten misty-eyed at operas, so... Well, operas are, again, they're trying to mm-hmm. hit on that. Oh, yeah. They're all about emotion. They're all about the drama. Which is kind of lovely now that, like, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking, like, it's kind of nice. Because it, it, yep. it is a, a very heavy sort of, I don't know lift towards like comedy and action and adventure and all these things so to to leave out that part of like living is is kind of a sad idea i don't know what's going on all time well we're definitely in a cultural moment right now right where people are looking to escape the horrors of their <laughs> regular lives and yeah socio-political climate and so maybe I think we're avoiding some of the sad things. On the other hand, the thing that always got me when I was a kid and still gets me uh, is the comic approach to making you cry. Like when somebody is funny and yet it's sad at the same time. And I'm not thinking of a really good example. There was some movie from the 80s that I watched as a kid that did this to me. Um, but I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. I'll do some research later. But you know when something when something is more laughter than tears, but then it gets down mm. to the emotional moment. Yeah, yeah, that's worse than if it's just straight maudlin the entire time. If it's mm. just generally, you know, because that's how life is, right? Like it's way more right. real. It's like you're laughing so hard at a thing that there are tears, and then you're all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, these tears have turned. Like <laughs> these are not tears, laughter tears anymore. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of that though. I'm having a hard time. I think that's a, it's a rare, at least from my experience, it's pretty rare. And you yeah. have to be very um, skilled, Yeah, I think, to bring those pieces together. And the movie I'm thinking of may not actually, because it's a movie Is it Pee Wee's Playhouse 80s. or something? No. <laughs> no, but I want to say Anthony Edwards was in it. So I'm going to follow that rabbit hole and, and report back to you. Okay. Yeah, because um, now I want to know what it is. Yeah. But 
you know, there's, I mean, I think there are lots of examples, actually. Oh my God, you just made I, me think of a song that makes me cry. Okay. Now I can't hear it. Is, and I, because I just have this like complete death association with it, is the, is somewhere over the rainbow, but the brother is version mm-hmm. that was always in like, the Hawaiian singer? The, yeah, yeah. Oh. And it was, <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> it was in, and when you said Anthony Edwards, you may remember, it was in the episode of ER, when Dr. Green dies, they have this whole montage of him, <laughs> like, having his last time with his family, and that's the, and that's the song. But there was, I have some other real life association with it too, that I'm like, why is this song always associated with people dying? And now, whenever I hear it, and I hear people listening to it, like, because they like it for fun and it gives them joy. It, I just have such a, I just have such a different yourself. kind of mm-hmm. like well, associated with association with it. Death right. because of the over the rainbow yeah. metaphor. Yeah, of course. Oh. But, but but like, yeah. But an example of comedy, but also tears would be one of your faves, Crazy Ex Girlfriend. <gasps> that show made me cry so many times. But right, it's mostly a comedy yes but it's also a real ex- exploration of mental illness mm. actually that is i can't believe i didn't think of that as an example i'm here to help that <laughs> is such a that is such a perfect example because there were so many times where you're laughing and then suddenly the mirror is so close to your face yes yeah, mm. the tears switch you're like yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that like i mean like there was a conversation i had with a friend after one of the episodes and i was like oh that episode was great and she was like it wasn't one of my favorites and i literally said i was like was the mirror too close and she's like absolutely mm. She's like, I can see why you would think it was funny, but I didn't find it that funny. And I'm like, I've been, I've been there. I've been there with that show. Hmm. But I think that's often more effective tool than the, again, direct, than the manipulative direct yeah. appeal yeah. to like, we're just going to pull on your heartstrings right, until they right. pop. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that feels more genuine, right? As opposed to, we have a formula we know it will make you cry. Go formula. Like, <laughs> at point D, you will start having tears. Right. Yeah. And I think, sorry, thinking more about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and crying, I think, I don't know if we really talked about this, is the other reason that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend made me cry a lot was the universality of, mm. of those issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, to watch, and I'm sure this might be getting too much information, but, like, there is a song that she sings that starts off pretty funny, and it's like a typical ballad. But the lyrics to the song are, and forgive me for, I mean, you can say it on network TV, so I'm going to say it, is like, you ruined everything, you stupid bitch. Mm. And she's, and like, that was like the first time that show really made me cry because everybody, I would like to think that like a lot of people know that feeling of when like you sort of hit this point when you're like, everything that's bad is totally my own fault. Mm. Whether or not that's true, it's like, I should have seen this coming everybody's mad at me and it's because I did something terrible and I'm a horrible person and the sort of like self-loathing and like literally that was one of the moments where I was like oh this episode is funny no (laughs) (laughs) but but I will say that I do I did buy that song off of uh, iTunes and now I can sort of like Mm. play it in a different kind of because Mm. it's true because now it doesn't feel as isolating and lonely those sorts of feelings Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, but if I had my way I'd be like everybody would watch that show because of those moments I just felt like like I'm I'm glad it ended after four seasons because they were working towards a point, but um I will I will I will constantly wish for like the next sort of step in in those kind of shows. Yeah, the the crime because you you see yourself, you recognize some element of yourself, which is that's a whole nother 
Well, and it's, yeah. and it's yeah. a relief to know that that feeling is universal enough that somebody like mm-hmm. wrote it into a national television show that was renewed four times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just to be like, right, I'm not special in that way. Mm-hmm. But I am special. Mm-hmm. But it's not an isolating, lonely experience anymore. Yeah, terminally special. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But other people feel the feelings. Too. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And But people don't talk about those feelings. And, and, and I guess that's another reason why I, I would, will sometimes enjoy the things that make you cry because it's those feelings that you don't talk about a lot of times. Well, and I think we haven't really explicitly said, but that crying's not just because you're sad. It's because mm-hmm. you're happy. It's mm-hmm. because you're recognized. It's because you're angry. It's because it's it's an outpouring of emotion, but it's not always the same emotion. It's not always one emotion. It's like eight emotions. It's it's right. so much many other things than this Japanese dog movie sad. Like this thing is sad <laughs> because the dog is still waiting versus all the other things mm-hmm. that are mixed up that make us that make us cry. And I think that's something and it's a slightly off topic but crying is so I mean it's it's incredibly loaded for men. I mean I like, just they, they're not even like allowed to cry. Right. There were four but, female people sitting yeah, at this table. They, yeah. get to, they get to have a tear in the beer right. yeah. when a family yeah. member. Yeah. So you're single away. you're single man tear, yeah. right? But but also for but for women so it, crying can be so loaded. You know, mm-hmm. people think you're trying to manipulate them and I'm like I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just so angry and this is how it's coming out or mm-hmm. This and so, when you experience these pop culture things or these, th- it, it's also a safe. It's a safer space. It's a safer space to cry than mm-hmm. maybe in your in your regular life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everybody's crying at the end of Endgame together. Yeah. The, yeah, whole, the whole theater was like. <laughs> I particularly resist those. <laughs> Just because I'm a resistant person in general. But also, yeah, you know it's. It's interesting because I'm, I see that, and yet for me, there is like, I don't know, a cultural decision made before me that I cannot enter into those spaces, mm-hmm. right? I am black, I am female, therefore such and such things. And like crying when like little white girls die, or like crying when like the little dog dies, or cry, you know, like all those things equal something else. And I can't necessarily put words to all those things. But I'm, I feel really aware of it and like very like, uh, I don't know if I should enter into this because then I have to negotiate these things for myself about like who I am, what I show up. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, it's a lot for just like a little piece of media. Yeah. Know? Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of stuff and it's just, it's not worth it most of the time for me. So I don't do it. But then I start to wonder, you know, I mean, now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like something like 15 years into not watching Grave with Fireflies. Right. <laughs> And counting. <laughs> and counting, you know? I want to, like, give you a badge. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, but maybe, I'm starting to wonder, like, maybe I should. Like, maybe there's a whole emotional space that I'm not but permitting myself to get into with other people, specifically together, which mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be resisting that, you know? And I don't know. I don't, those aren't answers to these questions. No, right. But it's an interesting idea, yeah. and I think you can... I think the point of it is that you can create a space where you feel safe to do it. So maybe mm-hmm. it's not about going to the theater and watching mm-hmm. it with a bunch of strangers, mm-hmm. but it might be worth watching it with somebody that you trust. On the other hand, that might be scarier because, like, right? That's right. The vulnerable mate. Sometimes watching it in the theater is the best way to go. Who's like, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> Who cares if yeah. you saw me yeah. crying? 
Yeah, my uh, my summer of, of really depressing movies was all by myself. And I don't think I knew that I was choosing that intentionally. But I was like, oh, I'm going to try these films I've never tried before. And then I was just kind of like, oh, my God, they're terrible. You know? <laughs> but then I, I could report afterwards and be like, wow, that was that was a doozy. But never like really be in the space where I had to share it with somebody. Right. Which, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's more in the world of men or male spaces. But I am curious about it. You know, like, hmm, what's, what is this? Why Why do I have this particular thing, you know? I don't know. I still say don't watch Grave of the Fire. I'm not. <laughs> no. No, never. But it's like, from yeah, what I Yeah, I haven't watched that. That is definitely on the Like, it's grave. It's yeah. like children on the front. Why? Well, yeah. and also, too, it's one of those movies that if you're pretty... How do I say this? Like, it's one of those things where the message is something that is something that you know, like, logically. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're like, a sensitive enough person to, like, already know that, like, there's collateral damage in war. Mm-hmm. And that it's not just the people who were fighting who were affected. And, like, if you read history and you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe you don't need to put yourself that close to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Like, because... I kind of wish I never watched that movie because right. I actually didn't know what it was when I watched it. Mm. It was like on TV and mm. it was on um, like some anime channel and I was just getting into anime. So I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, no. the style is so great. And <laughs> oh, here are these boy. like, here are these kids and, and you know, like their life isn't horrible all the time and in the beginning. And then as it was going through it, oh. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, this is why I like a content warning. I feel like content warning. I mean, not to the to like, the point. like a crying crying movie. Yeah, warning. not warning. that they have to do it in such a way that it like diminishes the art in any way, shape, or form. But there must be. I mean, we've figured out a lot of stuff. There must be ways for, to like share that kind of information without like eight out of ten people have cried watching this right. versus like, like three but then out I of think ten. So personal, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Like I think that. It would benefit some people to see that mm-hmm. because they don't think about those things or they don't understand those things or maybe they're not necessarily taught to them in school like the way that they should be. Like when you're, and I don't want to like use a video game as an example because that isn't fair to video games, but like it's true. Like if, if, if a kid is like playing like Call of Duty and they see war in these very specific spaces, it's also important important mm. for people to understand that war exists in other spaces other than the battlefield, mm-hmm. right? And, like, a lot of us some might already know that and don't need that movie to, like, reinforce that, but I think it, it there's a reason it exists, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. And there's a reason that it continues to be, like, held in the sort of canon of, like, must-watch slash sad movies slash animes. <laughs> like, there's a reason we're talking about this movie, like, 40 years after it I was made. I think you're the only one who's seen it. Yeah. We're all for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, like, I know me, I know that, yeah, that's on the thing. No, thank you. Yeah, I haven't. It's very good at what it does. And I haven't ever been able to watch Requiem for a Dream for the same reason. Mm, What's yeah. that kid's game? No, thank you, evil? No, thank you. I'm like, no, no thank, thank you, you, sadness. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, again, I'm okay with it, but it's hard to also, when you, I see, I think that's maybe the problem with the content warning idea, is sometimes when you're prepped for it, you're just like, no time for this. I haven't watched Requiem because Bob has, and he's never going to want to watch it again, because it's upsetting. And when is the time that you're like, you know what I'm going to sit down to Mm. do today? 
Today is the day I'm today, going to right. upset myself. Right. Today's the day I can take the heavy thing. You know, yeah. Except you've just watched the news for an hour mm-hmm. and you're like, nope, where, where are, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, okay, let's go. Right. Like, you come home from work and you just want to relax, although that said, we are currently watching a show that I will probably write about, Dead to Me, oh, and it is intense. So many people have recommended that show it's to me. Yeah. Very good. Someone today just is, told me they watched the whole thing in one sitting. It's it's only ten episodes and they're half hour episodes. Yeah. But it's and it's about female anger and grief. Mm. Yeah. And it is super intense and it is not relaxing. I'm glad we're watching it. I kind of pushed it, but man, mm. I'm gonna need like some more Shira to come out soon after that. Yeah. <laughs> I think a new season I think a new season of Nailed It is coming up. Partially because I am so sensitive and literally cry at so very many things. Um, like whenever I talk about like me being prone to crying, I'm always like, I cried at Snoopy Come Home, the whole entire thing, even though I know that Charlie Brown and Snoopy are together forever. Like, <laughs> that franchise is not going to end. <laughs> but, right, and, and as Elise so gently put it, they have Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those all other the specials, right? <laughs> and meanwhile. And, and Easter, the Easter Beagle. <laughs> like, I still bawled at the idea of separating the two of them. And mm-hmm. I was I was not a child, <laughs> like child, child. <laughs> First time I saw this it. was last week. <laughs> Watched it several times. And not quite. Not time. quite. I don't believe I was living. I and I was still living at home. But <laughs> I'm not talking about like five year old. I mean, this means the residence doesn't doesn't matter what the age of the person is, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think content warrants would really work in that way because things are so different for so many different people. Mm-hmm. But it certainly helps to have people be able to be like, oh, no, 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 don't watch that. Or, yes, watch that, but make sure you have your ice cream and your box of tissues and right. then the person that you're going to call afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> or like whatever the system is, you know, right. in place for like right. whatever this thing is. Well, the I best will... thing they can say to you is, this is what it did to me. Yes. Your mileage may vary. Right. Yes. Because, as we mentioned, it's... It's a catharsis. So, like, there are times where absolutely I know I'm going to cry, but I'm still still down with it. I'm ready. I'm going to do it with my ice cream and tissues. And sometimes even poor Elise, my own sister, on the, mm. on the there's a lot of times the comments in my house where it's literally, go call your sister. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and with that, I think we're just about at time. I think, uh-huh. I think ice cream and... Uh, tissues is a great place to stop. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, then I hope everybody has an opportunity to go get their ice cream and tissues. Um, and what I don't know, I don't want to say I hope you watch something sad, but if you want well, to, tell us, tell means. us, yeah, tell us some of your favorite crying things. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we absolutely the weep list. It's just a long right. list of yeah. like weepables. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Didn't what cry. Can, it. Give one the secretary here. What kind of cry do you want today? Do you want just like a light? Uh, yeah, right. I can. Yeah, tell a me. Misting. Tell, tell me what you want. <laughs> yeah, and I will give it to you. Great. And with that, um, we'll see y'all next time. Thanks. Hi everyone, Valerie here, and on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.